This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. How's everybody's week going? Everyone, time for the checkup from the neck up. How are you doing this week? What's going on in your life? How are you feeling in this body that you are in? Today's guest, Yana Robinson, is joining me for a discussion that I've been waiting to have for a long time. We're going to talk about abortion. We talk about the first time that she meets her dad, what it was like to be raised by two mothers, and so much more. She also does a live reading of her poem, There Are Cobwebs on Her Vagina. I mean, even just from that little blip right there, you can get a sense as to how incredible this conversation is. Before we dive into that, I wanted to share something that I've been reflecting on this week. I hired a personal trainer. (laughs) Which is crazy to say because I haven't been to the gym in about three years. The gym and I needed a break. Honestly, I feel like I spent so much time in my early 20s, especially at the gym, that I was just, I don't know, I reached a spot where I was like, I can't even look at you, let alone be in you, gym. And that sounded weird, but you know what I mean. The combination of COVID and gyms not being open and just really tuning into my body and what my body needed... I have been walking, doing Melissa Wood workouts, running, doing a bit of P-Volve, really a lot more gentle, low-impact workouts. And in the last couple months, I feel like my energy has been a lot better. I have now gone almost nine months. No, I have gone nine months without drinking. I have been meditating, not every day, but probably three, four times a week really consistently. And I'm feeling pretty damn good. Like I still have my days where there's a lot of anxiety, but overall I feel way better. And I started to notice almost like a surplus of energy and I started to crave some strengthening movement. I was also noticing that I had a little bit of knee pain when I was running and I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I started to crave to feel stronger in my body. And so I know myself, I work best when I have somebody who's kind of holding me accountable to my goals, who's leading the way, who's giving me a plan of attack. And so I I don't know, I was surprised myself. All of a sudden, over the course of sort of just two weeks, I decided it was time to build some muscle and that I just wanted to feel strong in my body. I wanted my physical body to kind of represent how I'm feeling on the inside, if that makes sense. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the way that I look. It's all about how I feel. So 
I don't know. I'm giving myself a pat on the back because it feels kind of good to be in this place where I'm ready to take that next step in my own health and wellness. It feels really aligned. I connected with a trainer who my friend has used. His name's Mike Maloney. He's sending me my workouts to my phone. So I'll still do them at home. I went on Facebook Marketplace. I found some weights. So we're doing like minimal equipment, three a week. We talked about my history. We talked about my philosophy as a coach. And so we are not, I'm not doing any weigh-ins. I'm not focusing on counting calories. I am going to work on increasing my protein a little bit. I find it really hard to eat protein. I'm not that into meat. I don't like eggs that much. So we're going to do some plant-based protein, which helps build muscle. And he thinks that that will help even boost my energy that much further. I'm doing this for mental clarity, increased energy, and to feel strong enough so that I can do the things that I want to do. I'm one week in, I'm feeling a little sore, but it felt so good to pump some music, to pump some weights. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but here we are. And so I just wanted to share this with you because I think that no matter what stage you're at in the journey that's all good. Like I've literally over the last three years had moments when I wasn't working out at all. Then I shifted into more gentle form of movement. And now I'm at this place where I'm like, bring on some weights and a new layer and it's feeling really good. So that's where I'm going to be at for the next little bit. And I'm loving having a coach. I'm loving having somebody who is texting me to check in, who's cheering me on, who is going at this whole health and wellness thing from the same perspective as I am about it being all about how you feel versus how you look and trying to like reach a certain weight or a certain size. So yeah, I'll keep you posted on how that's all going. For those of you who haven't heard, this is the last week to sign up for the Raw Beauty Reset as well. So if you're like, I want a coach, I want someone to hold me accountable. Well, you have the opportunity as well. I am starting our next 12-week Raw Beauty Reset. It begins on Sunday, September 26th. Plus, I'm doing it this time with Sophie Jaffe, who's a celebrity chef, yoga teacher, meditation teacher, and she's just an incredible human being. So we'll both be leading this, which means you get two coaches for the price of one. Really, for the reset, it's all about wellness from the inside out, taking a non-diet approach. So we look at the foods that we're eating and learning to eat intuitively, moving our body in ways that feel good, whether you're at a point where you want to do weights or run or bike or spin, or maybe you need a break. Maybe you need a break from the gym like I did. It's about identifying where you're at right now and what's going to serve you the most. We spend a lot of time working on mindset because I really believe that so many of us know what we should be doing or what would serve us well, and yet we're not doing it. So we've got to look at what is holding us back from a mental perspective, what fears are coming up for us, ways that we might be sabotaging ourselves, uh, and triggers that might be pulling us off the path that we're meant to be on. So we dive into mindset and last but not least, self-love, which is getting to know yourself, your body, and honoring it through the practices and rituals that we live day in and day out. So if this sounds good to you, if you feel like you could use somebody to hold you accountable, somebody to give you a system and some structures to support you in feeling your absolute best, then 
don't hesitate. Like now is the time to sign up for the reset with me and Sophie Jaffe. We need about an hour of your time each week. We'll be doing live coaching calls. You have recorded video lessons each week that you have access to forever. It's only $2.99, three payments of $99. So we'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes if you want to grab a spot. I would love to see you there. Let's finish off 2021 strong together. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. Okay, Yana is here to join us. If you are not familiar with this incredible human being already, she is blunt. She is raw. She is so emotionally accessible. This girl, literally her words pierce my soul. Everything that she writes, I feel like, oh yeah, she just gets me. She just gets me and brings these very human experiences to life that much brighter. She's a societal visionary, a counterculture poet, a film director, a speaker, a facilitator, and she's worked as an artist, a coach herself. Her story is absolutely incredible. You can order her first book and collection of poetry, This Is For The Women Who Don't Give A Fuck. And I mean, let's just get her on the show. Enough of me. Yana, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Hi, Erin. Okay, so you literally share slabs of your heart 
with the community on Instagram, on stages internationally, through the pages of your book. How did you get to this place where you are right now? Have you always been somebody who was able to do that, who was able to just share themselves so openly and to be able to express what they were going through, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the things? This question. I was raised by two moms. I have two gay moms and a lot of the values in our household were the opposite of the values of the world, which is in this house, we talk about everything. It was almost offensive for things to be untalked about under our house. And so I was raised with a very unique ability of having two parents nurture me into the values of openness and transparency and honesty and vulnerability. And so communication has always been really important for me in all of my relationships. And I think it's rather abnormal that we don't live on that degree of honesty with one another. It started to work its way into my art and my work as a writer in 2015 or 14. And I was writing things at first that I thought the world wanted to hear because often we think about what the world wants rather than what we have to say. And I wrote a lot of top 10 sleepy teas for fall or whatever crap people would want to read. And then uh, one day I actually, I got pregnant and I had an abortion and I wrote this piece the day after my abortion that just flowed through. And it was the whole process that I'd had and in such depth to the moment of thinking like, woohoo, I'm having a boob spurt. And then realizing that that wasn't real. And Everything from the neutrality to non-neutrality and friends, family, doctor, and I covered the whole emotional spectrum of what it is to realize you're pregnant when that wasn't really the plan and how to navigate making that choice, which I believe belongs to every woman everywhere in the world. And I'm sad that that is something that even needs to be talked about at this time. It was really raw. And I was a little shocked when it came out of me. And I think it's really important, the more that I write online, that we really take the time to process internally on our own experiences, especially ones that are that raw before we share them with the world. And so I made an agreement with myself that I would come back in 30 or 60 days to revisit it. And when I did, I decided to share it because number one, there had been no article I'd found online on the emotional process, or I had worked with a shamanic coach on an exercise where I had a conversation with my belly because there's a lot of discrepancy of when the soul shows up and I didn't know if it was there. And I laid it all out. And I thought about how supportive that would have been as a woman to come across that when I was stuck, or if I came from a conservative or a religious background, our often reflex thought is I'm having a baby, not that's a friend of mine said that to me. She's, it's, she was like, when I got pregnant, it was, am I having a baby? Not do I want to have a baby? And so I ended up choosing to share it because I think that as Brene Brown says, I think it's vulnerability, awareness, and compassion are the antidote to shame. And I'm the shame exorcist. I think that that's what sharing the human landscape from a vulnerable and transparent space does is it inherently creates belonging for experiences that otherwise would be painted with shame. So that is definitely part of my work. 
I also write really sassy beat poetry, which is nothing but the mystic and expressionist in me. And then there is an intentionality of teaching through sharing transparency. Yeah, so that was, I don't know if that was seven or eight years ago, but when I published that article, I at first said, I'm just going to share this on Elephant Journal, who I was writing for, because those 17 million readers are not going to be the guy I went to high school with, who I'll run into. It felt rather safe to have this anonymous readership. I was living in a little cabin on the Sunshine Coast of BC, and when I got the congratulations, you have been published article, I remember really tuning in inside and knowing that no matter what the world said, I was at peace with my choice and that I was going to be bold and that I think we owe boldness to one another. And so I decided to share it on my personal social medias, which were not that large at that time. There were some people there and I got called everything from woman of the year to murderer by the first very Christian boyfriend I slept with when I was 17 and had the full spectrum. And I also had over 300 messages and comments and emails from women all over the world writing me. And one of them read that she was, I don't remember if she was 14 or 15, but that her, she had gotten pregnant and her dad dropped her off at the clinic and told her not to tell a single soul, including her mother. And she was in her 30s and said, you're the very first person that I'm telling. And I have held shame with this for over 15 years. And I believe that those of us moving from our why and from our heart, there is a purpose and a mission. And that felt deeply when I shared that slab and that truth. It felt like it created true, tangible healing in a way that was really unexpected and really beautiful. And I think there's layers of healing we can do with therapists in a room, and there's layers of healing that we do with community. And although it can feel very impersonal at times, there is a community of readership that I have. And my desire is that the things that I show up to say can help them along in their journey of acceptance of themselves. So since then, I've made a commitment to be honest and teach through my experience, which is sometimes sharing about moments of being the other woman or making half a million dollars or whatever it is, being like, I'm going to talk about money and I'm going to talk about being out of integrity and I'm going to talk about hating the role I am having in my company and just being a teacher of transparency rather than some expert because I'm not some expert on something. <laughs> you are a truth teller. <laughs> I feel like you give freedom and give permission to other women to do the same. And I think that deep within all of us have this essence, this soul that is just desiring to expand, to express, to speak, to learn, to like experience life. And we become so conditioned as men, as women, as humans with all of these layers and walls that we put up to keep ourselves safe, that sometimes that gets lost, but we all know it's in there. So what I find in watching your videos or listening to your work or the way that you speak is you speak to that part of me. That is my true essence. That is the one that like wants to show up. And in seeing you do that, it gives me permission and so many other women and men permission to do the same. So thank you for leading so boldly. I know it's not easy. 
but it is really making a difference. Also, I had full body goosebumps because I've never heard the story of your abortion. And when I was thinking yesterday about what I wanted to talk to you about, I was so curious to know your perspective on everything that's happening right now in Texas around these abortion laws. And I know that this is a subject that people are going to be like, don't get political on your podcast. Well, we're going there (laughs) being, and I, I want to learn more and understand more when I think about you, I just think about this woman who is like so strong in her body and in herself. So I'm dying to know, especially now with the experience you've gone through, what do you think of all of this? I just also want to acknowledge and receive what you said. Thank you so much. Those are beautiful words. It's horrible. And I also feel I'm Canadian, but I've been living in the U S for about three years. And I feel like the U.S. has had a lot, has been broken for a long time. And it's almost when you do a liver cleanse and you're cleaning out your body and all this, your face breaks out and there's all this shit everywhere. I feel like the U.S.'s face is just massively breaking out with a lot of buried uck that's been there for a long time. And I know there are a lot of really great humans in Texas. I don't want to just blanket Texas, which I think we can all do is, oh, it's just them because I know that there are progressive level-minded human beings that live everywhere. So I also want to say that. And I think that people are really afraid of the power of women. It's so interesting because parts of religion, I think any religion, there is a need to have a connection with spirit and source that is beautiful. But the reality is that religion was created largely to control. And there has also been a lot of controlling of women. And I think that it's an interesting time with what's happening in Afghanistan, which has been enraging. It's kind of as if we're going three steps backwards, one step forward, three step backwards. And I think that the only truth is that women belong to themselves. And I think until we have that, and for me, equality and wanting women to have belonging and rights over every part of themselves, not just the right to have an abortion, but everything from pay, all of the pieces. It's not just the US or Canada for me, it's the whole world. And so when people say we've progressed so much, we haven't. And what's happening in Texas is a great thing of what's happening in our backyard. And we can look at Afghanistan and it blows my mind that such archaic things can still happen and move forward. Yeah. What I struggle with a little bit as well is this part of me that wants to believe that humans are inherently good. And these individuals that are pro-life and that are pushing these laws through, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. Are they thinking like we want to suppress women or have they just been raised in these belief systems in religion that have put such an emphasis on life and cells dividing that they really truly honestly believe that it is murdering of babies and that this is like the best thing for the planet and the world, because that's coming from a different place. Then we really have to look at the system and the beliefs rather than kind of ganging up and villainizing these individuals. It's the system with which they are living. Absolutely. It comes from a space of belief systems, which I think many of those pieces are actually religious. So much of our world is based on patriarchy and sexism and there's, there's so much there. 
I, so I, I do think it's coming from an unconscious space of what people have learned. And I think people are doing the best they can with their conscious awareness. And a lot of people haven't stopped to do the work of why they believe what they believe. I remember there was a really powerful clip in a, I forget the name of the movie, but it was one of the first black baseball players. And there's this one clip that hit me so deeply on how easily beliefs are passed on. And this baseball player who's black walks onto the field and the clip is of a father and a son who are white sitting in the stands. And the boy is probably six or seven, pretty young. And everyone starts standing up and saying like, we don't want you here. We don't want you here. And then the boy's dad stands up and starts yelling it. And the little boy just looks around and sees everything and then stands up and starts yelling, go home. We don't want you here there's nurture and there's nature. And it's interesting. I met my dad for the first time about 12 years ago, how much of my father's nature I have, and he didn't spend a moment raising me. And so I think that there's a lot of stuff that gets passed on that we don't even know about. (laughs) And I think there's some stuff that gets passed on that we do know about and that is conscious shaping, I guess we could say. I think people who are advocating for pro-life truly think that they are being in integrity with some part of humanity. So yes, do I think that they're terrible people? No. I just think that there is a real desire for human beings to conform to the norms of a society to fit in because to be ostracized literally back in the day when we lived and tried to saber-toothed tigers meant death. And so some of it I would also say is really unconscious herd conformity in human beings and just not not stopping to think, where did this come from? And I think it's horrific. It's a huge turnoff of humanity. And I want to believe that we are progressing as a species. But I think sometimes you and I probably sit in rooms with human beings who have progressed and think there's more progression in the world than there actually is. I see it all the time when I leave my little Instagram bubble of amazing raw beauties who are all so body accepting and body positive and wonderful to one another and welcoming to different perspectives. And then I'll go on to like people magazines, Instagram page, and this is still an issue. And it was very obvious just in that one space. On this note of creating change and breaking down systems that are no longer working for us. You mentioned that a lot of these people who are stuck in old ways haven't necessarily got to doing the work. They haven't had the opportunity to self-reflect about the system or the beliefs that they carry. I found for me personally, the times when I am most likely to do that and what really was the catalyst for me in my own journey was times of great pain. The very first time was probably having my eating disorder, being hospitalized and having to dig down and be like, what's working here? What's not? What beliefs got me here? What systems and structures got me here? And so much of that was this beauty ideal. I would say that this idea of what we should be is the number one thing that I see holding back the women that I work with. They are contorting themselves in so many directions, trying to keep everybody happy, trying to look a certain way. And listen, I do the exact same thing, maybe conscious of it, but I know I I see myself still doing it. And 
I worry that in us focusing on this so much, constantly trying to bend and fold ourselves and plump ourselves and dress ourselves in a way that is acceptable and tolerable to our society, that we are putting up those same walls, systems, and structures that are ultimately dimming our light. Mm-hmm. Have you had one of those moments in your life? It's important to realize as women that our value is not our bodies and that we are not an object. So glad you hold space for that for women. The poem, I may be able to read it for you. There's Cobwebs on Her Vagina, which is the title of my second book, is a lot has a lot of lines about just how Hollywood and marketing and all kinds of things kind of brainwash humans into that. As far as my own moment, it's so interesting. I know that the abortion is just really here, but that was actually one of the first moments I had to get really clear on what my truth was and had to look at beliefs that I had around, you know, you can't be a mother and build a business or, you know, there was a lot of limiting beliefs that showed up in that space. Another big moment, finding and meeting my father for the first time was actually the catalyst for me to dive into my growth because I'd never really been mad at him. And then when I found him and met him, it was just like this huge tidal wave of suppressed parts of me that just came out raging. And so dove into personal development work. And I had always thought that therapy or personal development work was for people who were depressed. Personal development and therapy are for people who want to understand themselves and want to understand other people. And like, we're literally here as human beings to connect. So I can't think of anything more invaluable in investing in as our growth. And, but a big moment for me was really meeting tons of emotions. That was probably 12 years ago and just meeting a wound I didn't even know existed. Uh, My mom and dad met in India. My dad was a follower of Osho, so he was at an Osho ashram. And then this wild love story in India and and Greece. He's from Crete, Greece. So they were in Greece for a few months. And then she was living in a little cabin in Whitehorse in Canada. They ended it. He flew home, and she realized she was pregnant. And so there was this, yeah, this moment of, of choice for both of them. And they ultimately both chose in their own ways. He chose not to participate as father for sure. And she also didn't really want to raise me with him. So I think there was a combination of responsibility there. And then she dated a few men afterwards and then realized, you know, I always joke my dad was the in-between guy because he had like long hair and he wore pink sarongs and feels feminine. (laughs) He's a very feminine man. My mom was a single mother for a long time. And then in grade four, she fell in love with Jackie, who is my chosen mother. And I spent 12 years being raised in a house with her three kids, my other siblings. And my moms are no longer together, but they are my chosen family. So I still, still have a very, very close relationship with, with Jackie and beautiful. So Mm -hmm. it was complicated, beautiful, messy. He wasn't just a random sperm donor. There was more depth to the story there. And do you still have a relationship to this day? I do. I just got back. I was in Greece for 30 days. He lives in a village of 60 people and gets his water from the mountains. He's probably one of the happiest, simplest men that I've ever, humans I've ever met. And it's so healing for me to go back to Crete and to swim in the sea and eat figs and 
connect to my my roots. I am definitely Mediterranean in many ways. And most of our previous trips were filled with a lot of hurt and child wound and crying or my dad showing up from a space of guilt and wanting to make up for 30 years of not being dad. And that was stressful. And this trip, for whatever reason, there were no moments of that. It was just complete enjoyment. And we went on adventures and we'd smoke herbal cigarettes and drink espressos in little mountain villages and swim in the sea and go fishing. And we finally have hit a really sweet spot after moving through, it was over a decade of work. It was, it sounds like really worth it. Totally. Yes, it, yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about cobwebs on your vagina. It's like an interesting topic. When you said that women need to know that their worth isn't in the way that they look in their body, you said it was such an ease and a confidence and as if that is just the truth. And while I believe it, it is hard in this world to remember that always. Mm -hmm. Can I read you the poem? I will take it any day. So this is kind of just like a big fuck you to the oppression of women in general. But I actually wrote this after working with a client that was getting over a deeply religious background and healing her relationship with her sexuality. This is the roots of this birth. This probably eight years ago. And the scene is really quickly, a gynecologist, a mom and her daughter, and they are, she's wearing a purity ring. So that's kind of like the scene. And the gynecologist is doing this rap to the mom and the daughter. There's cobwebs on her vagina, the gynecologist replies, removing his head from between her freckled thighs. Her mother chokes on the air. But pardon? It's from a society that shames women for enjoying sex. One that puts purity rings on their fingers, promises them a way to God, away from pleasure. Pleasure is shameful, you hear. God is the only one that loves you. What if the husband is a jackrabbit? What if he lacks all there is to know about making a woman moan? What if she dies on having her soul ripple, her body shake, fall apart from the hands and tongue of a man who has done his work, a lover of all things woman? God, what if he's gay? What if he wishes to be making love to a man? Heaven forbid her body is never touched with the tenderness that we deserve from the moment we are born. It's from a society that throws half-naked, sexualized women in sunglasses commercials, making us hide our daughter's eyes, while the men smoking Cuban cigars laugh, making millions off the easiest marketing idea invented. The female body is the greatest piece of art. Of course it sells. Shame on us for giving it away and then playing the victims, the big bad media wolves forcing our hands to paper to sign. There are no victims here. Women are also to blame. It's from a society that shrieks at nipples, turns away. They're the same as mine, but, but they're sexual. Put them away. I can feel the breeze on my sweltering chest in August, but you, you must cover yours. It's from a society that cuts off women's genitals, 
doesn't give them the right to vote, to work, to live, to love who they choose, covers them in clothes, no, not to hide them from the sun, marries them away at 14 to a 21-year-old who drinks four bottles of whiskey a day, who falls asleep drunk after they have sex each night, boring missionary sex with no foreplay, while she speaks quietly into the night of wanting to be a lawyer, of how she would bring justice with all her might. He closes her legs. The mother's mouth is still dropped. Masturbation. Two times a day. Three, if needed. His white coat whisks behind him as the door shuts. Oh, Mama, the world we live in is changing. Mm, wow. Full body goosebumps. <laughs> it's a big one. It, it hits a lot. And somehow it hits on so much of what's happening now, even though I wrote it eight years ago with Afghanistan and so much. It's so crazy because when you're reading it, it all sounds so wild, but it's also just the water we swim in. How do you think this is impacting us? Well, I think that women walking tall is the medicine this world needs. And I think there are choices being made right now that do not support that very serious need for integration of the feminine into our world. The feminine aspects are the nurturing, compassionate, empathetic, loving parts. And if you look at what's suffering, it's our planet, it's people, it's equality, it's justice. Those are in, in animals that are going extinct. All of that is the feminine parts. And meanwhile, you know, you look at the economy and all the other pieces. Sure, it's booming, but that's also more of the masculine. And so I think there's a real need for integration of women into their feminine parts. And I don't know, in Buddhism, they say there's 33 parts masculine and 33 parts feminine. So I think there's a deep integration needed in all human beings and an acknowledgement of those feminine parts so that we can advocate from politics to just being individuals in our relationships from a space of, I don't know if equanimity is the right word, but there just needs to be some alkalization. There needs to be some space where the feminine can come in and, and kind of heal what's being fucked up so brutally. And it doesn't even need to be a female president. It just needs to be an, a, a leader who's moving from an integrated space. Leaders, mm -hmm. leaders at the kitchen table, leaders in the friend groups, leaders in the corporate offices, leaders teaching, leaders mm -hmm. all over in every little piece. Sometimes I find right now looking around at the world, like I get emotional thinking about it. It feels like it's crumbling everywhere. And it's like, what can one person do? Where do you even begin to help? You can just almost feel frozen by all of the things that need our attention right now. And there's always something new. How are you navigating this? And what would you recommend for others who are feeling the same way? I think there's several pieces. The first piece is that we shouldn't be seeing the whole world on the news. I think there's also some truth to our capacity to create change and impact being limited to our actual places we lived in. And I think that there's a real overwhelm from observing everything in this world. And so I like to think about, I think healing ourselves heals this world. And the very first step is being able to step into those parts of ourselves. And I think about when we have integrated those pieces, then we can move into a space of community. 
and spreading that and creating places of community where supporting female owned businesses and having, you know, women's groups gatherings and mentoring women who are needing that. And my coaching practice is seriously just a, basically it's mentoring of truth. And I remember many years ago having, there were some floods in Calgary, Alberta, and I was living in Edmonton and had a roommate who was watching the news so devastated over the flooding. And I looked at her and I said, it's a three hour drive to Calgary get in your car, put your boots on and go help. And so if you feel frozen, what is the action that you can take right now? And maybe it's your online community. Maybe it's not even your physical community. I've worked with a poet from the Middle East to empower her to share her poems. And she suddenly has like 110,000 followers. It's amazing. She, she had a thousand and we worked together. So it's like, who can we support? And, you know, we're all meant to be teachers and mentors and to uplift and, you know, choosing to purchase coffee beans for there's a, a black owned coffee shop by a mother and daughter called Cafe X that I found out at this event called Encinas for Equality. And I bought a bunch of their beans. It's like those little choices and taking action and knowing that each action is contributing to the shift in consciousness and the collective of the world. And so there isn't maybe a right action. So whatever you have the capacity to do is great. Maybe your capacity is to call a friend who's another woman and, and talk to her about what's going on in your heart and to create connection and understanding in that space. Maybe your capacity is to host a workshop or a women's group where women can get together and talk about where they're feeling empowered or disempowered. And we can activate each other in little ways and large ways. Part of the ways we change this world by women is literally walking out our door and just existing in this world. It's just like your existence is activism. <laughs> so if you're a woman existing in this world, you're probably being hit a million times a day, being objectified by men. There's just so much that happens and there's so much sexism and things that are so subtle. So just continuing to walk tall and be all of who you are and know that you just being a sovereign human is also creating liberation and change by just walking out your door. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can everybody follow along for all of the goodness that you bring into this world? I have an email list. That's probably the most intimate space, which we can grab you the link for. I have a, my books are probably the best way to dive into my work. My first book is called This is for the Women Who Don't Give a Fuck. And my second book, which just came out, is called There's Cobwebs on Her Vagina. I put stuff on Instagram. I got a website. I do coaching, you know, all the things. So yeah. And let me tell you, I have, this is for the women who don't give a fuck. And it's actually really good for the women who do give too many fucks. I would actually recommend the women who do give too many fucks to go get that book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I almost feel like it's the wrong title. It's the perfect title, but I just want everyone to be clear that I think there's a lot of us who are giving way too many fucks about the things that we shouldn't be giving fucks about. And it's me too. And it's hard and we got to stick together all right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Rob Beauty Talks community at Rob Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.
Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.